Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. Let us pray. Almighty God, we beseech you graciously to behold this, your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and given into the hands of sinners and to suffer death upon the cross, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Today on Palm Sunday, we hear St. Mark's account of the passion of the Christ. This is the suffering and death of Jesus. And for myself, and I know for a lot of you, the obscene injustice of this action and the cruelty is unbearable even to hear. And if this was all of the story, it would not bear repeating. But this isn't the story told in God's kingdom. And that is where we have our citizenship and we need to learn how to see with kingdom eyes. For in the kingdom, this is not the sad, pitiful account of a young, innocent man who is unjustly put to death. This is the account of a hero who, despite the price he must pay, shows God's profound love for the least and the lost. St. Paul writes, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for you. How many times have you heard that? Jesus died for you. Like me, you've probably heard this for most of your life. But what does it mean? As one preacher puts it, Jesus took what we deserved so that we could have what he deserved. This trade is what is known as the exchange of the cross. And that's what we're going to look at this morning for a few minutes. And it's going to take a little longer than normal. So take off your shoes, put your feet up, loosen your belt, whatever you need to do. Get comfortable. Okay. Jesus died for you. And if you ever hear someone say, so what? Well, this is the what right here. Jesus was punished so we could be forgiven. That's the first part of the exchange. We need to understand Jesus was willingly nailed to the cross that was prepared for us, receiving our punishment so we could be forgiven. That cross didn't have Jesus' name on it. That cross had your name on it. It had my name on it. But Jesus came and took our place so that we could be forgiven. Look at Colossians 2, 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. We were dead. See, the the price for sin is death. And the penalty of those transgressions was a death sentence upon us. And through Jesus' act of compassion and mercy, he took our death sentence. And we were made alive with him. And we have been completely forgiven if we have repented and turned to him. Can you get your mind around that? 
The God of all creation chose to take our suffering, our pain, our condemnation, so it is possible for each one of us to be forgiven. You have the right to intimacy and a deep relationship with the creator of the universe because he bought you that gift. So how do I respond to that? Well, claim that right. It's real simple. Spend time with your creator and savior. I tell you, the, the Monday morning class we've been doing, Secrets of the Secret Place, that Rip and I have been leading, uh, and I think everybody in there, we can all say that we're learning more every week about how to have an intimate and a deep relationship with God. We are learning how to claim our right to be in relationship with God, because that's what he wants. And then Jesus took our sin upon himself so we could be made righteous. Second Corinthians says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Our position of righteousness is in him. We are not only forgiven, but we're made right with God. Now, you might say at this point, but I'm not always righteous. Sometimes I do things that aren't right. And, you know... I'd say, well, of course. I've heard enough confessions to know that's true about every one of us in this room. Uh, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> the one who made us righteous can always restore us and make us right before our Heavenly Father. In John, we read, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So how do you respond to that? How do you respond to what Jesus did for you there, that exchange? Well, it's real simple. When you do sin, turn to God. Turn to him, tell him you're wrong, ask him to forgive you, and you will be restored. Never think for one minute that that isn't possible for you. It is always possible for you in this life to turn to God and be restored. Just like the father in the story of the prodigal son, God the Father is waiting for you to turn back to him. Never be talked out of that by the devil. Never let the devil convince you that, oh, what I've done is too bad and God could never forgive me and et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Because the devil always says the same thing. So it's just blah, 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 you know. But be convicted of the truth that God is waiting upon you. When you turn back to him, he will always reach out to you. The third exchange was that Jesus was despised and rejected by men so we could be accepted in the beloved. In Isaiah 53, we read he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their, hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. No one has ever been rejected more than Jesus. Even his disciples left him when he went to the cross. Jesus took our rejection so that we could be accepted into the family of God. In Ephesians, we read, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, 
according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Now, how do you respond to that? Well, first of all, believe it. Believe it about yourself. Believe what these verses are saying. God chose you before the foundation of the earth. Again and again in scripture, we see that it is God who chooses us, God who forgives us, God who pursues us with his great love. God does it all. You may feel you don't deserve it. You're right. You don't. But that is completely beside the point. God chose you. He died for you and he saved you. And he thinks you're worth it. So don't argue with God. You're just going to lose. Just accept his gift of grace. And you know, grace is an acronym for God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's what's happening on the cross. At Christ's expense, we are receiving God's riches. The fourth exchange was that Jesus was literally cut off by sin from the Father so we could be reconciled to him. Now, it's hard to imagine this because we cut ourselves off from God by sin every day and we have to be restored. Jesus had never been separated from his Father's love until on the cross he took our separation on himself. On the cross he says, my God, quoting Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He'd never experienced that separation from his father. Because sin separates us from God. And for one awful moment in history, Jesus took upon himself all of our separation. So we could be reconciled to our father in heaven. Colossians tells us, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. We are now reconciled to the Father through the Son, and we have peace. And this reconciliation allows us to be a friend of God. Now, have you ever been down to Fort Davis, go down to the McDonald Observatory in the middle of the night, look up in the sky? And seen 500 billion billion stars up there. And how amazing that is. This God who created all of that. All of the universe. The Pleiades and the Orion and everything. Invisible and visible. Wants to be joined to you forever as part of his family in heaven. He wants to be your friend. How do we respond to this kind of exchange? Well, accept God as your friend. Live each day in his presence, enjoying his friendship. You know, this is one of the things I love the most about my life. I mean, it can be the same in your life too. It's just, I wake up every morning and and say hi to God and we spend the day together. And the, I talk to him a lot, and it drives Jonathan crazy because he's in the office right next to me. Uh, and, and we sing a lot, and that drives him more crazy because he's in the office next to me. But, <laughs> but 
it's just a delightful day with the Lord every day. And I encourage you, have that kind of a relationship with God, not one that's fearful, but one that's excited and anticipates nothing big, just presence, just being with the creator who loves me. There was an Orthodox lady once who uh, had a Russian Orthodox icon of Jesus on her table. And <laughs> that is the most beautiful sound in the world, may I say. Uh, and she was, uh, one day someone asked her how she prayed. And she said, well, I just look at Jesus and he looks back at me and we just enjoy being together. Yeah. That's the kind of relationship God wants with you is to enjoy being with you. Jesus bore our shame so that we could share his glory is the fifth exchange. Jesus bore our shame so we could share his glory as his brothers. I hope, I don't know, did y'all all get one of these? If not, uh, pick one up on the way out. This is the exchange that we're going through right now. Uh, keep in mind, Jesus is your big brother who comes to earth, beats up the bullies, and helps you get home. So you can be restored to your house, your family, and your dad. Hebrews tells us, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things. in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation. That's Jesus perfect through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, that's you and me are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Your brothers and sisters of Jesus. He's the big brother. And his dad, he brought us home, and his dad said, you can keep them. <laughs> Being a chosen child of the king is an honor. You don't have to perform to be accepted. And the wonderful thing about adoption is you never have to ask, was I wanted? Did you want me? You bet we wanted you. We paid good money for you. No, the, <laughs> you go out of your way to adopt a child. It's a big deal. God went out of his way to adopt us. You are already accepted before you did one thing. You can live every day knowing the God of creation accepts you and loves you. That's the most important thing you can do is to know that, live knowing that, trusting that. You know, when we respond, let's give the Lord all of our sinful past, everything that has caused us to feel shame, all the pain, and he will lift that burden from you and replace it with joy. Okay? He will give you joy in place. On the cross, Jesus paid for us to have joy. Ask him to exchange your shame for his joy. Okay. These aren't just feel-good things. These are truths that can transform our lives and make us into the children of God that we are created and saved to be. Then the sixth exchange was that Jesus was wounded, taking our pain and sickness so we could be healed. In Isaiah, we read, by his stripes we are healed. The prophet Isaiah was looking toward the cross. And being a prophet, he knew the importance of what was going to happen at the time of Christ's death. 
the beatings and the scourgings Jesus received paid for our spiritual and physical healing. And through his broken and beaten body, Jesus took our pain, our suffering, and our sickness so we could be healed. This is not saying we can't get sick. Of course we can get sick. But rather that Jesus loves us so much that he made provision for us to continue to be healed in the same way that he made provision for us to continue to be forgiven when we need forgiveness. So if you're sick in your body right now, why don't you exchange your sickness for his healing? You can pray and believe for healing for yourself and for others because Jesus paid for it on the cross. Now you're looking at me and you're saying, okay, well, you've got cancer. What? How can you say that? Well, I do have cancer right now. Uh, but the one thing I know is that Jesus is going to heal me. And just in the last couple of weeks, I have seen miracles take place of people being healed of cancer and other diseases right here in our own parish. So I know he's good, he can do it. I believe in him to do it. And am I disappointed I haven't been healed yet? You bet <laughs> I am. But at the same time, I am not going to build my theology on my disappointment. I'm going to build my theology on God's word and God's truth, which says that God heals and that Jesus died so that I could be healed. One of the great things I have received from our Monday morning class, Secrets of the Secret Place, is a new perspective on healing prayer. Because what I'm trying to do now is daily make an appointment each day to spend time with my doctor, with my healer, and to do, use that time to let him minister to me. And then the seventh exchange is that Jesus became poor so that we could share his abundance. Now, in Corinthians, the first epistle, we read, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, this passage is not talking about financial matters. It's about spiritual wealth. However, chapters 8 and 9 are all about financial matters. And that's the context for this passage. They're about finances and the grace of giving money. It's a different economy in the world than in the kingdom of heaven. You've got to get that in your mind. You've got to get that straight because you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And it's a different economy in the kingdom of heaven than it is in this world. See, in the kingdom of, well, in the world, the question is, how much can I have? In the kingdom of heaven, the question is, how much can I give? Provision for everything we need was made possible at the cross. Now, Paul does not say that God is going to give us a big ranch house and a new F-250. But God always wants us to have the abundance to do the good works he saved us to do. We were created and saved to do good works that he prepared for us before we were even born. And we always have provision available to us to do what God has called us to do. Uh, sometimes you can get into stinking thinking, as somebody once said. And uh, my good friend who I love dearly, Johnny Cooper, will challenge me on that occasionally. Uh, when I say, well, that would be cool, but we're really trying to save money on this or that. And Johnny will say, 
We serve a God who has cattle on a thousand hills. Certainly he didn't sell a few of those cows. (laughs) If this is something that we are called to do. And that is something that we always have to train our minds for. Not to be profligate, but to be confident in the abundance that God provides to do his work. So how do we respond? Well, trust in God's provision and develop kingdom thinking. Stop thinking in terms of limitations to ministry and begin thinking in terms of God's abundance for abundant ministry. There was a question asked one day, if you knew you couldn't fail and you had the resources to do it, what would you do for God? If you knew you couldn't fail and you had the resources What would you do for God? That's kingdom thinking. You come up with what God wants you to do first. Then you worry about the resources for it. Because if it's God's will, the resources will be there. God's will, done God's way, will never lack for God's resources. And then the eighth exchange is that Jesus died our death so we could have life. In Hebrews we read, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. Jesus died our death, tasted death for us so we could be released from the fear of death. This does not mean we will not die. It means death is not what we think it is. Death is not the end It's just a transition into our eternal life when we'll put off this earthly body and put on our immortal spiritual body. Joyce told me an analogy that I really liked about, for a Christian, what death is. It's like when you're a baby and you fall asleep one place and then you're taken home and put in your crib and you wake up in your crib. You were sleeping through the whole thing. It's like, I used to wonder how do babies, what are they thinking is happening? You know, one minute I'm here and I wake up and I'm here, you know. Uh, But that's kind of death. It's just, you fall asleep here and you wake up over here. It's that instant. It's like walking through that door. Second Corinthians says, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, Eternal in the heavens, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. How do you respond to that exchange that Jesus gives us, that he died our death so we could have life? Live fearless lives. Live fearless lives. For a Christian, death is like walking through a doorway, as we just talked about. And as Archbishop Tutu one time said, he's an Anglican bishop of South Africa at the time, For a Christian, because they they were worried about him being assassinated. And they said, aren't you scared? He said, for a Christian, there are a lot of other things to worry about more than death. And then the ninth exchange, then the last, was that Jesus was buried so we could be raised to new life. Second Corinthians says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are not just fixed up or repaired. It's not like 
an old tire that we put a plug in to keep running it for a little while longer. We're actually a new creation. And this happens not when we die, but the moment we give our lives to Jesus. Christ died for us so that we can live lives that are full, lives that are full of love, lives that are full of joy. And he wants us to join him in his ministry of setting people free and bringing forth the kingdom of God. That is what this church family is all about. We are here to increase the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven by doing God's will every day in this world. This is made possible by Jesus' work on the cross, by this exchange. And it becomes real in our lives as we claim our inheritance. These aren't just idealists that like, oh, that sounds nice. This is hard-won reality that Jesus bled and died so that you could have. And its purpose is to transform us so that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we put off the old man and put on the new. And we live the new life that Jesus won for us. Now, if you have one of these or if you pick one up later, put it in your Bible when you get home. And every day, appropriate these exchanges into your life. Give God thanks for these things. Confess them to God. Thank him. Begin to claim your inheritance that Jesus won for you on the cross. This isn't secondary to your life. This isn't hobby stuff. This is life itself. This is the life that Jesus died to give you. This is the so what. In his second letter to the Corinthians, St. Paul beseeches us, do not receive the grace of God in vain. God's riches at Christ's expense. Don't receive that in vain. May we always choose to walk in that new life that Jesus won for us. And live in thanksgiving that all who believe in him have exchanged eternal death without him for eternal life with him. Let us pray. Almighty God, we beseech you graciously to behold this your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and given into the hands of sinners and to suffer death upon the cross, who now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.